Hello and welcome everyone to Link to the Cast episode 135 on the show this week. Uh, Dave has finally peered out from underneath the bedsheets, having completed Resident Evil 2. THQ Nordic, with the single most boneheaded unforced PR error in years. What next for Anthem? It's Bowser's Castle now at Nintendo. And in our book club this week, we talk about a fantastic video game adaptation of a movie adaptation of a comic book that may be the best video game comic book of all time if you can follow that logic it's scott pilgrim versus the world the game let's start the show this is link to the cast your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere good podcasts are sold i'm your party host dave ryan and i'm joined on the line by a man i haven't actually spoken to uh, properly in about a week and a half uh it's the wild child mark robinson i am so wild aren't i I am so very, very so crazy. I am so, so tired. But I'm here. I'm here. I'm alive. I am barring... <laughs> barring Setting the bar. Barring the any bar. uh, mental breakdown I have on this recording, we are good to go for at least about 90 minutes. Cool, cool. Yeah, we... Apologies to listeners that we missed last week's no, show. No, I'm not apologizing. I just... I'm, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Mark was snowed under and almost like the... Um, the universe was listening out pretty much as soon as you said to me that you couldn't do it and i said uh oh that's cool we'll get i'll get jack or somebody on board pretty much within an hour of that conversation taking place my work week changed drastically <laughs> and that didn't pan out the, the, um, instead of the stars aligning the stars just capitulated and imploded and other words yeah. of that nature the thing was i was supposed to serve jury duty last week oh yeah that i remember so um yeah, peeling back a little bit, like me and you and a few other people have a uh, a chat, a conversation on a Facebook Messenger, and I was I was I don't think I was paying too much attention in terms of like writing anything back, but I was following through, and that whole <laughs> thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much that whole thing was, uh, yeah. How was that? Yeah, so it was surreal, and this is the reason my work week changed is that I had. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure it's the same in most countries is that if you get called to serve jury duty, your your job, unless it's a certain number of jobs like um, teachers, doctors, anyone in the legal profession, or anything with a conflict of interest uh, to do with the case in question, uh, they can't, they won't be excused for work. But pretty much any other job, your employer has to excuse you to serve on a jury. Mm. Uh, so I was taking it as like again had glasses half empty i'm like i'm definitely fucking getting picked for this um so i had told my manager it's like look i'll I'll come straight back in the next day if uh, i don't get picked but if i do uh be prepared they told me that i could be expected to be out for up to a week i had used the fact that i was going to or i had attempted to use the fact that i was going to germany on the 8th of march as my get out of jail free uh pun intended uh, but they told me that, yeah, the trial will be wrapped up within a week, so get the fuck into the courthouse. <laughs> um, and, th- yeah, before I kind of get into the, the jury duty of it, that that my work week changed because then when I didn't get called, I came back in and I ended up getting signed up to go run a junior leadership training course down in the, the back of beyond <laughs> in South Kildare. And uh, I was kind of, by the time I had studied to do that on wednesday thursday and actually done it on friday my brain was mush mm-hmm. um so i just took the weekend took a gentle weekend but anyway that um, is actually the the name of my autobiography my brain is mush 
Oh, it's going to be Gentle Weekend. That's your easily easy listening acoustic album, oh, I yeah, believe. I... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a Spotify playlist as well. But... Simply Robinson. Simply Robinson. Um... There we go. <laughs> So yeah, the jury do the jury selection process. Should I say is is weird? Does not really. I think legally speaking, I can't really say anything about you know the the details uh, on here. But um, the I can I can walk you through the process, which is kind of weird. So you get the summons in the post for you know show up at the courthouse this date, and you come in and it's a selection pool for on whatever is on the docket that week that requires a jury. So there was five different trials. So there was approximately about 460 people uh, up for jury selection, uh, just based on the, like, I was, my surname, obviously, R-Y, and I was number 430-odd. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was quite a few people packed into the courthouse. Um, so immediately we get in and we hear, mo- like, is there any pre-trial motions from the five trials that are going on? So immediately when we were in there, three of the trials got shoved into March, and one guy... Um, waived no contest, so there was going to be no jury. Um, and that was fine. The ones that get shoved into March, so your summons for the court is only valid for one week. So if you show up and the trial doesn't start that week, then you they are going to have to call another batch of people to go and do it. Um, so there was only one trial that I could have possibly been on. It, was a, it, was a, it seemed like a pretty serious one. Um they what they then do is uh they read out some of the details and they tell you and then they read out the list of witnesses and they tell you if you know anybody or are from the area in question recuse yourself now um failing that uh, or they said if you're if there's any reason based on the details you've been given that you're uncomfortable excuse yourself as well could you not just lie and say that you know one of the people just to get yourselves out of there they you actually have to go up to the judge and explain how you know the person oh right okay yeah but that's a fun um, conversation yeah and the, the whole perjury thing i'm sure if they they, if they attempted to probe that well i but met anyway. him down the pub once and <laughs> you know. um so yeah once that's done then they tell you that um the the defense and the prosecution get a number of challenges they can contest or they can they can um, they can basically challenge someone being put on a jury for whatever reason. The information they seem to have is like your name, where you're from, your age and your job. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that for sure. Your start a Pokemon, your <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, favorite your, color, yeah, ideal yeah. first date, yeah. um, favorite album. Yes. So then everybody's entered into a lottery system and they're told uh, if your number gets called, your number and name gets called, you, you walk up to the jury box and basically you have until you put the hand on the Bible and so do the defense and prosecution to, ha- to put forward a reason why you shouldn't be on the jury. So you can recuse yourself if you've decided, oh, in the interim few minutes, I feel uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. That's grand. Um, and then as well, once you've sworn in, the defense can't challenge anymore uh, or the prosecution. So this kind of whittled down and I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, like the room whittled down. Everybody kept getting challenged. And um, they <laughs> they got down to like the last 30 people or so. And uh, Muggins here, his my number came up. Uh, but immediately didn't even get to walk into the box, got challenged. And I assume it's based on my job as a youth worker. Like, cause, cause if you work in a community 
um like i'm kind of spread all over the county that yeah. there might be a there might be a suggestion that i would be prejudiced uh or at least a fear that i might be prejudiced uh, about like because i might know something or know the area or things like that so uh yeah got away with it anyway i didn't have to go do it and and that's fine by me and i think i don't get put back in the pool then for a couple of years because i attended and then if you actually serve on the jury it's you're out of it for 10 years i think and then if it's a big serious like lengthy trial i think you get taken out of the pool for life but pretty much everybody in the room was a bit sketchy on what that exact like <laughs> that exact rule is so yeah that um yeah that was that um that sounds like no fun at all yeah uh it was well, like it was an interesting because i'd never actually been in a courthouse of any description in my life they uh, sketchy ryan i you know yeah fingers um, ryan they call you I, a, speaking of fingers that's my next story but oh, uh <laughs> uh yeah it was just interesting to see the the mechanism of the the department of justice over here just to see how the court service works um so yeah that was that was that that was my experience and then yeah i was back in work and kind of snowed under with the day i had missed plus the new stuff that it was kind of like oh you're back you can do this um that's usually yeah. the way it goes yeah my next thing that was going to put on the list is that uh forgive me if i let out a ah, fuck in the middle of this because i sliced the top of my finger open uh while i was cutting an onion last night um and it, like, you don't it, like onions do you i like onions yeah what is it you don't like that I think you're a monster about? Eggs. Eggs, that's it. Yeah, you fucking yeah. weirdo. Yeah, I like things eggs are in, but anything with an overly like eggy flavor, um, obviously including eggs themselves by themselves, um, I'm not a fan of. But yeah, it's a pretty fucking gnarly um, looking cut when it's, in the, when it's in the light. I'm going to send you a picture of it. It was... It, it, I, mean, kind of, I don't I don't need to see the picture of it. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's like it's small, but it's a deep cut. And the worst part of it is I can't really like po- I was going to post the picture on Twitter. But then I realized because it's on the very top of my thumb, there's literally no angle I can take of this photo from the top down where it doesn't look like a Mickey. Oh, <laughs> that's that's just how it is. I was going to say, um, also, your Twitter content, uh, there'd be a significant lack of dogs in the picture, so... Yeah, yeah. Toby, 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 fucked up, <laughs> like, gouge mark in my thumb. Yeah, so that's sent you there, so you can enjoy that at your leisure. Uh, you know what? I'll save it till after. Yeah, you do that, my friend. Um, yeah, so that was that. Um, we also, we, we met in person yet again. This we streak did. of ours has been maintained. This is about a, a week and a half ago. Uh, but it's we haven't been on in two weeks, so it's not that weird that we're talking about it. Um, but we went to OTT Homecoming 2 uh, in the National Basketball Arena uh, just outside of Tala in Dublin. Um, not the strangest part of the world I've ever been to a show in, but it's, it's certainly not ideal in terms of transport. I mean, it's still not the most pleasant either. But you know. No. Uh, if it hadn't been for a friend of the show and my Days of Thunder co-host, Lee Malone, we would have been bussing or walking it. So very much appreciated there. Lifesaver of a man. Um, but how did you find the show? 
Uh, I it was a one of the more unique shows in terms of the way the just the way it was, it was spread out, um, and there were a bunch of kind of suggestions that we were making as the show went on about like why certain matches were in places they were. My immediate uh, presumption was that okay, well, certain people here uh, have like early flights and have to get back to wherever else. That's usually uh, it. Yeah, it seems from fairly reputable sources that the WWE guys were told to go on first. Yeah, that and so whatever. But that's usually why um, you'll find like a match that is is heavily promoted goes on early, and it's just because of the way the the flights have been uh, scheduled out. But it also kind of made sense as well that um, the cage match may have gone on last because you know putting that thing together. Obviously, this is. Um, an indie promotion and the, the cage and the way it's set up is, you know, yeah, the, the it seamless... wasn't there uh, suspended from the ceiling and where we were doing the bump, 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 no, bump. No, so uh, I think Although you weren't at the one last year, were you? I was not, no. Where for like the first five minutes of them trying to put the cage together, the crowd were doing the bump, 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 oh, well, <laughs> and then they realized it was taking too long and yeah. stopped. <laughs> But no, it was a really good show. I think that uh, actually starting with um, Star and Devlin uh, kind of worked out really well in the end because uh, it led into what happened later on and also just having that uh, intro package, the, the the package for their feud, which is uh, I think is, is kind of wi- widely regarded as like just one of the best uh, pr- promo videos you'll find for a, a feud kind of just ever effectively it was incredible um and uh and you know that match was really good i want to go back and watch it on um on demand well Um, apparently you can treat yourself to hearing you can actually hear us screaming oh really it turns out that devlin star is on first you can hear us generally screaming and then i i haven't watched it back yet can you hear a a charming brit in the background somewhere I, i believe you can clearly hear lee screaming fuck off at Ango, the commentator, <laughs> and then me telling Ango I'm not well. <laughs> uh, to which the commentator, I because the commentators were sitting literally two rows behind us. Yeah, it was really weird. I, I I've never been to a live show before where I can yeah. actually hear the commentary. It was it actually was cool. Yeah, I, it was. like I think it added something to the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I believe Ango yelled back at us, "Buckle up, motherfuckers!" and <laughs> Whoever was editing the VOD decided that exchange was worth putting in. So, well, that's I mean, good. you know, it's it's a wonderful organic thing, and uh, it, no, it paid off, and that yeah. that match was cool. Um, Pack is the craziest, most oh, oh. fucking toughest motherfucker. Um, well, I mean, you know, wrestlers in general, I would imagine, are pretty tough. But uh, to so he tried to do was it like a second rope Phoenix splash? I think it was that or a four fifty. It was one of the two. Uh, and his it was his middle finger completely oh, dislocated. It was a finger, and it, I I saw a still image of it like the next day, and it's just it's like, well, that actually looks worse than I even realized. It was like a ninety degree angle. It was yeah. disgusting. And the and motherfucker then, popped it back in. Um, obviously, was favoring it for the rest of the match. Then I think he managed to dislocate it again. Yeah, he did. Yeah, off um, another middle rope move. Yeah, because <laughs> someone in in our section was screaming at him to stay the fuck away from Brett's rope. Yeah, so uh, Pack is uh, Pack is tough. Pack is very tough, and uh, he uh, also hasn't been pinned <laughs> again, yeah. and has yet to be pinned since you know heading back onto the Indies. So good for him. Uh, it's also great to see that I think a lot of the reviews on his early matches after he got out of WWE were kind of tepid especially because they are like a lot of them routinely have fuck finishes because with his is it open the dream gate 
is the belt he has. Uh, yes, she is. That is he the, the kind big of, heavyweight belt, or the big kind of world championship in, in Dragon Gate. Yeah, between that and his AEW status, he kind of, like you said, he's just not allowed to lose, really. And in fairness, I can't argue with that, you know? But it does no. make it tricky depending on where he is. And, you know, if you do something like that, you really want to put him up, put him up against uh, your world champion. But, you know, it's a, a dream match to a certain degree, so of course you're going to do it. Uh, it was really good. And Walter adding stuff to um, build a rematch with Devlin, the disrespect of the title by throwing it Naito style, that I'm sure is going to uh, play into the build Scrapermania 5. Um and the Jordan coming out at the end and having the confrontation and the crowd was that that's another thing the crowd was hot all night for everything a really really good crowd for that show and um really looking forward to Scrappermania now it's set up at Paddy's Day weekend they're kind of they're styling it as Ireland versus the world so they're doing Walter Devlin 2 uh in kind of the most feel-good moment of the night i was just smiling from ear to ear they announced uh, will osprey announced that scotty davis is wrestling jushin thunder liger which is like awesome for an 18 year old kid to get to wrestle liger um they're doing martina versus miko satamora um they're doing like this cool um it's like a tag team world cup match where it's lads from the flats um aussie open the best and besties, whatever the, the besties in the world and and helico and, and then Ray two Forrest. other guys yeah um and then i think that's it oh yeah they just announced today david Starr and dan barry <laughs> the adopted irishman um which i really hope is the start of i was i was telling my mates in the chat we'll get off wrestling chat in a second sorry everybody uh myself and mark haven't talked about this show much together um but i really hope is the start of uh my favorite david star which is uh his heel run in beyond wrestling where he's just he is the self-proclaimed ace of the promotion yeah uh and just like i hope much as I love Dan Barry, that he just comes into this match and beats the absolute shit out of him and <laughs> nearly gets <laughs> nearly gets murdered by the crowd for doing it. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, that's wrestling out of the way. You saw a film. I did. Uh, I went and I saw uh, Glass last weekend. Um, this, yeah. is, this is my attempt to do popcorn social. Uh, I think it's the first film I've actually seen at the cinema this year. Um, and I just kind of, just on a whim, was like, fuck it, I'm going to go and see it. Because I didn't see Split, uh, and I haven't seen Unbreakable in many, 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 many years. <laughs> well, this was really not necessarily the film for you then. <laughs> well, I don't know. Even without the context of Split, like, you know, the, the gist of what was going on was pretty much there. Um, and I, I, even if you don't see those two films, I think it does enough. Give you gives you enough context to what's happened before, um, so yeah. I think it's entirely necessary. Um, but I think the weight of it, and certainly like some of the stuff that happens, and it's an M Night Shyamalan film, so there is a twist, shock horror. Um, I'd imagine the the weight of that twist doesn't have as much punch if you don't have the context of the of the other two films. Uh, have you seen Glass? First of all, uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, kind of my thoughts on it were I I really like the first two thirds of it I thought it was an interesting movie and then I think it's kind of it it goes a long way through the movie and I'm like wow uh, M. Night Shyamalan has really like he's he's holstered his worst instincts here Uh, and then they all come out 
Yeah, so it does the twist, and it does have like uh, it does have weight to it. But the problem is, is like the the aftermath of that twist and like the end of the film does just it falls on its face it, it doesn't have anything to it whatsoever and it's like he's he's come up with the twist but he hasn't really thought about like where does that go afterwards and how do i kind of end this film in a kind of impactful fashion it, it felt a lot like to me uh that he was kind of he had his screenwriter he was in a room with the screenwriter and he wrote the twist ending and then left the room but then kept coming back in and go oh oh and then this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, I will say this. Uh, I think James McAvoy uh, is just fucking incredible. Uh, I think his performance and his, his ability to transition into all these different split personalities and them all feeling like, you know, wholly different people uh, was... Um, I don't know... I presume that Split kind of followed along the same lines and, you know, his performances yeah. of that was, just yeah, enigmatic it nature... It wasn't an unbelievable film, but it was a, just a magnificent performance from James McAvoy. Yeah. Uh, I think it's fair to say at this point, Bruce Willis is kind of coasting along. Cause, uh, oh, he, yeah, he's been coasting for quite some time. Yeah, he he didn't really do anything. And, you know, Samuel Jackson, he can put in, you know, 10% of effort and he still has more charisma than 10 men. So, you know, he, he didn't have to do much, but... Um, it was an interesting idea, uh, and the execution for yeah about two thirds of it was pretty good, and then it just it just kind of fell apart. So, but yeah. I, I enjoyed it to a degree, and uh, yeah, it was it was okay. It was okay. Yeah, um, here's an idea, mate. Should we talk about video games? Ah, go on then. Playing this week. Hey, check it out! I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy Two. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Mark, I don't seem to see anything from you here. Is this, am I, am I, are you giving me the office this week? Well, or is there something you have played? No, it's mainly because um, I've been playing Wargroove still. Uh, and I think mm. we've, uh, I think we've kind of discussed everything we need to talk about Wargroove. Um, yeah. I do, I started playing uh, Snake Pass. Um, and I'm going to put a good few more hours into it before I... Uh, That's one that. you had been you've been circling that for quite a while. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. I just never got around to it. So I, I've had it. I've had it downloaded for about a month now because I got it in. I think I got it in January sales, uh, and I've only just kind of started using that as a palate cleanser from Wargroove because those missions in Wargroove, like uh, everyone I've done, has taken a good like half an hour to an hour yeah. and i i can't i can't play that game for long periods of time like i do the one mission and then it's like i need to now go and do something else yeah they're they're satisfying and stuff like that but it's it is exhausting yeah, as well absolutely yeah uh so um so i've done that uh, so i'll probably talk more about snake pass next week and uh hopefully by next week i'll have also played a fair amount of the new trials game as well cool yeah i know yourself and jack are very much looking forward to that one. Oh yeah um, okay, I have a bit of a, a, a kind of a whole list uh, to run down here. Um, so the first was I finished um, the the Leon playthrough in um, Resident Evil Two Remake, uh, and just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, whole scale remake of that game. Yeah. Um, 
But is it a Should... remake, Dave? This is well. This is the thing. <laughs> this is I'll, I'll be getting on to this. Uh, this is part of why I bring it up. But a really satisfying ending. They've they've done great things to that. I'm looking forward to getting into his the the B playthrough and also into Claire's uh, story as well. Um, enjoyed it from start to finish. Uh, Jack was actually during his visit. He, I thought he was. Um, this was after something we'll talk about on the popcorn popcorn social. The enormity of the food he ate uh, at the Monterey Lodge that put people to shame that night. Um, but that's a story, another story for another time. But I thought he was in a food coma, so I started playing Resident Evil because I didn't think he could move his arms. Um, and he got to witness me finish that game. But yeah, really, really good. And yeah, it brought up a thing that kind of... Because we do a lot of our Game of the Year arguments out in the open, uh, I thought it would kind of touch upon what we were thinking about this particular game. It brought up a, a lively... We have a little Game of the Year chat with the usual four... Uh, four-man panel of you, me, Jack, and Barry. Um, there was a bit of a lively discussion last night, I thought. Uh, very interesting. Uh, enjoyed it a lot about whether this game counts for Game of the Year or for 2019's Game of Blah Blah Blah, the, the old Game of the Year award, uh, effectively. Um, and I think the two of us kind of fall down on the same side of things, don't we? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you that... Um... You know, obviously it's it's Resident Evil Two. Um, there is a Resident Evil Two that came before it because uh, it's a Capcom game, and obviously any game you know that's released these days is from a game prior. Um, but you know, even having not played it, but having watched a ton of content about it and reviews and everything else, and Super Bunny Hop has a really good uh, comparison of the original uh, RE Two and the new one that I would recommend. Um, as for for me, it's a complete like. It, it takes what Resident Evil 2 is and then just applies it to, you know, modern day Resident Evil, uh, you know, the Resident Evil 4 engine effectively, um, without losing the spirit of what that original game is. So it is a remake to a degree, but as far as I can see, it, it is its own game. Um, you know, like you have Res the original Resident Evil and then you have the Resident Evil remake, which um, graphically it's, it's a complete overhaul, but, you know, the, the specific the mechanics of it are the same. Um, but with this, it's, you know, the, the, the layout of the levels and uh, just the whole game. I, I, I would genuinely say that it is its own game. Yeah, um... We kind of we were trying to figure out are there solid lines or not we can draw on these sort of things, uh, and I think the way we came down on it just for uh, just so listeners can can hear the inside baseball stuff is that uh, we kind of delineated what would be a soft and hard remake. I think were the terms I was using, yeah. uh, and this could be just because Brexit is all over the news and those kind of terms are <laughs> all about the place. Um, to me, a, a soft remake is one that basically, uh, kind of like a Shadow of the Colossus or a Burnout Paradise from last year, where they've gone into the game, they've prettied it up a whole bunch, but in terms of substance, they haven't really rebuilt the game. It's the same coding and everything from before. It's just polished up and looks great, and maybe some minor tweaks here or there uh, with the controls or, or what have you. Um then something a hard remake would be something more akin to Resident Evil 2, uh, or the other one I talked, the other ones I talked about were the Yakuza Kiwami games, which were pre-existing games, but they essentially started from scratch inside a new engine and completely rebuilt the experience. 
Um, there are a lot of margin calls. Um, the ones in particular we came up with in our conversation um, were Spyro and Crash, which are essentially completely rebuilt from the ground up, but are just mirror images of the original game that came before. It's just a prettier version of it. And then there's a kind of the Ratchet and Clank sort of remake of the first game is a, is a tough one as well, a tough needle to thread. Uh, and I think the way we came down on it is there are some things, like I say, like Resident Evil 2 and like Kiwami that I would definitely consider valid for Game of the Year. Uh, going forward i think we need to tighten up the phrasing on what qualifies for the old game of the year um and i don't think this is um this is a, a thing that is uh just you know a, a link to the cast factor uh you know i think no. all uh games <clears throat> uh, uh outlets are having this thing as well where okay you know what is what is this category is it best remake yeah. is it best game that was released pro game that is kind of i don't know i don't i don't know how the hell to to word yeah. it exactly and, and it's, it's important to have this year as well because i think one of the games that's really circled on our calendars is doom to a very loose extent will be a remake of the original doom 2 hell on earth yeah um so it's good to have that conversation now. I think for the, the ones that are somewhere in the middle between a soft and hard remake, I think it's a case-by-case basis. Uh, but one thing we all agreed on is that no game can qualify as both. We have to decide whether it's going into proper game of the year or whether it's going to be in the old game of the year category. I don't think it's fair that something can qualify for both. Well, that's just greedy. Yeah, isn't it? We need to give everybody else a chance. <clears throat> uh Anyway, uh, just to kind of touch briefly on a couple of other things, Tetris 99, <laughs> which dropped uh, as part of the Nintendo Direct we missed because we took a week off. It was like right after we recorded the most recent episode, they dropped the Direct. Whole fucking bunch of announcements. We'll get to the, the highlight ones later on. Uh, but Tetris 99, which is Tetris Battle Royale. It's you and 98 other players. Last man standing playing Tetris wins. Uh, you can send junk blocks with the right stick to either people who are near a KO, people who are attacking you, or people who are in the lead. <clears throat> um, ludicrously fun. It's a, it's free if you have the Nintendo Switch online service. Um, yeah, I, I love a good Tetris game, me. And... Uh, the the enemy of Tetraminos himself, Jack Lazell, has been swept in by this one. The man cutting promos on you can't make a Tetris game game of the year. It sounds like Tetris 99 is one of his games of the year so far. So tell me, like, because <clears throat> I've never, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never played, like, competitive Tetris. So how does it mm -hmm. work in terms of if you want to send blocks to um, yeah. another player? How does that work? So if you, I don't think you can do it if you clear one line, but if you clear multiple lines at the same time, you can essentially, based on how many from two to four, we'll say, lines you clear, you send a certain amount of junk blocks. If it's just me versus you, obviously the junk blocks are automatically going on to yours and they're just colored in gray and there's kind of random blanks in them. So it's hard to clear those lines and they come underneath all your the tetris you've been the tetraminos you've been building so they're even you have to clear all yours to get to the junk ones to clear them as well so it's it adds up a lot of difficulty um even one-on-one -on -one. when there's 99 people playing 
it is merciless you can go from riding high to and and having being basically near 100% cleared to two thirds of the way up the screen is just junk in a matter of about 10 or 15 seconds um, you have to be very strategic about you don't want to be in the lead too far because then people are going to target you and attack you but you also don't want to just be kind of building a well of one block on the right so that you can clear with the, the long bars really quickly if you need to because you might get what you might go on a drought of those uh, and at the same time people might just ra- you there's a random option as well for attacking and you may be two thirds away up the board with only kind of a well on the right hand side and all of a sudden junk starts coming in underneath and you're dead um, so it's really interesting I finished I haven't won one yet I've had a, a good few top 10 finishes and it's funny that the way it works, I, I recommend everybody plays it, by the way, but it's funny how um, you can think you're in the zone. We, we've talked about this before, this idea of dropping into like this kind of uber focused Tetris zone in your brain. And you can think, right, I've got it. I finished second in this one. I'm going to win the next one. And then you're eliminated like 75th. <laughs> in the next one because people are just targeting you or you you have a bad look of the draw if loads of people have selected random people to throw the junk blocks at um also obviously you're you're motivated to clear the lines as fast as possible or to get as many tetrises as possible as quickly as possible because then you're sending junk all around the place and contributing to knocking other people out um so it's yeah it's it, it's kind of the opposite end. If there's a spectrum with Tetris effect on one side as this smooth, chilled out uh, lava lamp experience that I've described as, this is the opposite side. This is stress Tetris. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure this version of Tetris is something that um, is conducive to me. Like Tetris effect, mm. uh, I'm all on board with the 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 calmness, the the chill like vibes of Tetris effect is. And the zen-like nature I can get into, I'm all for. Uh, Playing Tetris with 98 other fuckers at the same time? Nah, I'm not really sure I want any part of that. One thing I'm very thankful for, it's a Nintendo Switch exclusive, by the way, which is wild. Um, But uh, because of the way Nintendo is, there's no chat, so you can't hear 98 other people screaming. Um, I kind of wish that was there, though. I, yeah, I can kind of just focus because on Because that Tetris. is just the void. That is the abyss, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. I think the UI is pretty cool, uh, because it has little tiles representing all the other 98. So if you, looked at, if you looked away from your board for long enough, you could have a look and see how other people are doing. But because Tetris, it, it moves so fast, um, you, you don't really have the time to. It's just a very nice... Um, it's just a very nice way of laying things out and it works if you had told me there was going to be a Tetris Battle Royale game uh, I would not have thought it would be pulled off as well and as easily as this seems to be but uh, fair play to Tetris on that one Um, the other game I've been playing so there's been a lot of ludicrous sales lately on the the PlayStation Store and I picked up a couple of things here or there when there was um, flash sales on so I bit out of pure fucking morbid curiosity and got WWE 2K19. Mm-hmm. Why? So I had heard some of the things I didn't like about the last few that I had bought. So I didn't buy last year's one. Um, and I obviously didn't buy this year's one straight away. Um, but 
I had heard that some of the things I had qualms about the previous years before that um, had been not necessarily solved, but there had been kind of, shall we say, improvements in that regard. And it went down to like, I think it was 20 quid, maybe less on the store. And I traded in a bunch of games. So I had some cash and I was like, oh, OK, fine. So uh, I got it. And one thing I will say is that one of the stupidest developments they had made in the in recent years was the addition of the lockpick minigame for submissions which not only do I hate lockpick minigames for that kind of thing, but the way in which it was put into the game was dreadful. It was, even for a lockpick minigame, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is an option to toggle what way you want the submission minigames to be. Um, so you can bring it back to the old where you just have to kind of, uh, it shows X, so keep tapping X, and then it'll go to square and keep tapping square, and then it's just a bar to kind of escape the submission or get or get a rope break or something like that. So that's kind of alleviated that. Um, it's not a perfect solution, but it's bringing it, it's kind of rolling it back to the way, in my mind, you know, it wasn't necessarily broken. I don't know why they tried to fix it. Uh, the other thing I, I didn't like, uh, I enjoy universe mode in those games that kind of, it's a an almost procedurally generated actual uh universe for the game where like there are a lot of angles and matches happening and you can kind of dip in and out and take control of different wrestlers or push different stories and things like that you can basically be the promoter or the wrestlers Uh, i've always enjoyed that because you can get kind of fun permeations on things um and end up in a case where like say um you can tilt the scales to the extent where all of a sudden you notice hey like victor from the ascension is the world heavyweight champion what is going on here um so that's still fun. I haven't dipped too much into that this year, but the thing I did dip into because I heard there was vast improvements in is career mode. Um, career mode had gone away for a few years, and then when it came back, it was this overly difficult, grindy, uh, poorly written sort of thing for your... They do it with your... Rather than... Remember the old Road to WrestleMania modes where you could only really pick like five or six of the different uh, actual wrestlers and you would do a little story with them. Some of them were good, some of them weren't. Um, In this, it's your created wrestler who goes through a career. Um, And I must say, like my hat's off to, I, I think there are kind of, I need to delineate this slightly because I think the actual broad strokes of the story are really good for one of these games. Uh, it, it has me interested, uh, but moment to moment, the dialogue is shocking. <laughs> it's you know that the, 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 I, kind of, I the imagine... thing with WWE games where it's actual wrestlers saying things that they would never say. Yeah, I think that's probably a combination of um, well, I mean that is also just if you kind of read the general conversation dialogue between two actual wrestlers in the WWE, it's mm. um, it, it usually falls into just, this is not a real conversation two people have. Uh, I'd also imagine that because of the, um, the kind of yearly annual iteration of the game, I imagine there are areas where certain things could be, you know, the quality control could be higher. And I think that is mm. where um, that shows its uh, unfortunate head. But it, it, you know, like I said, the broad strokes of the story, I kind of, I'm enjoying. Like, there's, um, so you're you're just this dude who's on like a, an an unspecified. It's kind of a generic name for an indie. I think it's like BCW or, or some such. Um, and uh, funnily enough, in a bit of continuity from previous games, 
the promoter of the territory is the now retired uh, kind of secondary wrestler from a career mode a few years ago called Baron Blade, who became a bit of a cult, kind of almost ironic, uh, had a, like an ironic fandom around him because um, it was just he was just this weird character. But anyway, um, you're in this indie and you want your shot at WWE. Um, you get a contract, uh, but then you get fired immediately because you get attacked uh, by a masked man and you beat him up and you're kind of seen beating, trying to beat this dude up and uh, burying fans who are recording it. So Triple H is like, fuck you. <laughs> uh, so then you go back to the indie and they have it done... <laughs> They have the indie done quite well because it's in, you know, the the first indie arena you're in is clearly like some sort of armory. And then there's another one where you're in a, like a school car park. And, you know, that, that those kind of small touches are, are interesting to me. Um, and you have your kind of frenemy, shall we say, on the indies, a guy who you kind of you work with and you kind of respect, but he's it's a little bit competitive. He's this classic indie wrestler who just can't quite get it right and keeps pretty much every time you meet him in the first act of the story, he's changed his gimmick to something else that he thinks is going to be cool and will work. And it's like increasingly cringy. Uh, so that's good. And then the two of you stage a quote unquote invasion of NXT at a certain point and kind of Triple H empties the locker room and, and you lay them all out and. Um, you kind of force your way into WWE and you kind of you're very you're there for a hiccup in NXT and you get signed to SmackDown kind of Angle and Brian are like you're too good to, to not hire so I think Brian hires you to SmackDown you go through some stories in there and it's been interesting so far there's a bit where you go on a Japanese tour which I enjoyed again I, I the way they kind of style some of these places is really interesting to me you're kind of you get a shot because Triple H isn't going on the Japanese tour. You get a shot to headline uh, the big show on the Japanese tour in a three-way with AJ and Nakamura. Um, and it's the, the, <laughs> the three arenas you wrestle in are very clearly facsimiles of Corican Hall, I think Sumo Hall, and the Tokyo Dome, mm -hmm. to the point where it's even referred to as the dome <laughs> you know but they obviously they can't say it's the tokyo dome it's like uh you'd call old trafford like united stadium or something yeah yeah so and there's this overarching kind of you feuding with triple h he clearly doesn't want you there he clearly wants to make your life miserable um so you're doing quite well on smackdown for a while then all of a sudden you get traded to raw and that's where i am now so you know it's I, some thought seems to have actually been put into this career mode and it's not just bog standard like it was before where it's oh you this is the training part of the game and then nxt because nxt is what's next and then smackdown because smackdown there actually is a story that's winding throughout that will presumably lead to maybe me and triple h at wrestlemania or something like that as as things so often do in this world um yeah um it's not going to win over any people who didn't uh, who weren't already kind of on board with playing these games like i said they haven't solved everything wrong with them it's still at points a funny old kind of game to play have um, they sorted out tyler bates uh, character model yet this is this is the one thing i will say is my my major gripe with the game is that in service of beefing out the the amount of content and the amount of story and modes and things like that the kind of 
the rendering of a lot of the wrestlers seem to have taken a bit of a hit. Now, if I was going to go, which would I prefer to be more beefed out content or the visuals? I would probably pick the content because I don't need a photorealistic Tyler Bate to enjoy my wrestling game, but I do need a wrestling game to enjoy my wrestling game. Um, and it does help to have the character. Like, the character model doesn't have to be, you know, of you know this com- complete high-fidelity character model, but it does also have to kind of look like the person it's meant to look yeah, like. Yeah, mo- most of them are, are pretty close. There's a couple that you're like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> You know that. Any guy chance has they're uh, like NXT alumni, uh, or a couple know, of real kind of bottom of the barrel C tier main event wrestlers? Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but if you go back, there's a few of them. Barry was because uh, the best time to follow the Barry lad on Twitter is in the uh, build up to a WWE game dropping, um, and I believe he has some screenshots of some of the renders in it that are uh, less than good. We'll say. Uh, anyway, we've been talking about what we're playing now for long enough. I think it's time to get into the news. News on the mark. Mark, this first news story. Boy, Twitter was a great time last night. This is the one positive <laughs> I take from this. These sort of things is uh, is Twitter becomes a great time for everyone. THQ Nordic. Okay. I'm what, aware of them. Sorry, what game was this for, by the way? Uh, I don't even think this was for a specific game. This was just in general? This was just them doing a, an, an AMA. So. And this, I, I marvel at that this is something I'd expect Konami to do, you know? This feels like I should do the Konami Corner introduction because it's such a level of, as I said in the intro, an unforced error. You know, this wasn't them fucking up because of kind of incompetence in design or because, you know, there was some legal situation or they were duped or misinformed or anything like this. This was something they did entirely of their own volition and just brought a... I I wouldn't say there was a huge amount of goodwill with THQ Nordic, but I know there was a lot of hope that they resurrected the THQ brand and they bought a lot of properties and people were hoping that we'd kind of see the return of not only some of those properties, but the idea of a, a, a mid-tier developer like that. Uh, well, what do we get instead, Dave? Off. All right, what do we get instead? So they went to do an AMA. Okay, and now this is like would say, this is the thing that you know publishers and I mean just everyone does. Everyone does AMAs. Mm-hmm. This isn't a, a, a novel concept. Nope. You see AMAs on Reddit all the time. Precisely. Yeah. And you would think, right, AMA, that's that's a Reddit thing. That's that 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 comes from 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 Reddit. Surely they did it on Reddit. They didn't do it on Reddit. You would think, okay, maybe they didn't ask me anything through Twitter, through the THQ Nordic Twitter account. They didn't do that, Mark. Um what what website was it again they did? Because <laughs> um, it wasn't Instagram or Facebook or um they didn't do it on Tout. No, no, they did it on, um, what's the best way to describe? Well, they did it on 8chan, so, yeah. yeah. So, for those of you, this is, Twitter gave me this this um, easy way to remember it. If you want to know what 8chan is like, think about 4chan, it's twice as bad. <laughs> um, it's, like, where the fringe element, my understanding of it, 
having mercifully never been to uh, A-Chan and say never having been on 4chan since uh, like back in the day when we were all teenagers and we hear about this website where anything goes and so, you know you're in somebody's house and they go they go to 4chan you're like oh whoa, what the fuck um, so I've never been on A-Chan my understanding is it's uh, unseemly <laughs> this is, the, is the, the, the gentlest way you can put it um, it is kind of where the fringe elements of 4chan fled to because I understand they attempted some sort of cleanup job on that place a few years ago. It, it really is just a case of it's, you know, the part of 4chan that even 4chan goes, you know what, just this is even by our, our standards. Because the whole thing, uh, there was a book that I read last year and I can't remember off the top of my head, but it, it's, it was about, you know, the, the alt-right effectively. And... Uh, Reddit and 4chan and those parts of the internet were discussed at large, and it's effectively one—you know—one of the big things that uh, the alt-right talk about is this idea. Was it of, kill all normies? That's one of them, and the other is just this idea of freedom of speech and that um, anything should be allowed to be said, and there should be no kind of consequence for saying anything. And um, the idea that uh, you know 4chan, which then. The, the splinter group, which is 8chan, this idea that if we want, want to talk about um, racism, homophobia, bigotry, child porn, whatever you want to name it, you know, it's a free market, anything is good to go. Um, and simply 4chan is the part of that that went, no, we don't want that. We will be offensive to a degree, but you've just taken this to a, another level of, um, of just bad taste. And that's 8chan, effectively. Mm. Yeah, so that's where they went to do their AMA. Yeah, that's that's where THQ Nordic went. So uh, you'd be stunned to know that the internet went, uh, Qua, what the fuck are you doing? And uh, it didn't take too long for THQ Nordic, the PR and marketing director, Philip Rock, uh, to uh, respond back and um, just apologize and not... <laughs> So, uh, the tweet that he responded back was, uh, I personally agreed to do this AMA without doing my proper due diligence to uh, understand the history and the controver controversy of the site. I do not condone child pornography, white supremacy, or racism in any shape or form. I am ter terribly sorry for the short-sightedness of my decision and promise to be far more vigorous in my assessment of these activities in the future. This was not about being edgy. This blew up, and I very much regret to having done this in the first place. Fuck off. Fuck you. That is... A pathetic excuse and it's just an outright lie because do, do my favorite thing about this sorry to stop you mid mid rant no there. go ahead my go favorite ahead. thing about this was the initial tweet the initial tweet addressing it where they're talking about how oh, they didn't think things were that bad and talking about the guy who was doing the ma and then in parentheses shout out to mark because <laughs> in the middle of all this you want to make sure you give a shout out and uh, like my, my favorite thing is like the first thing I see on uh, on Eurogame Eurogame on the comments is like you know your day is going well when you need to say I do not condone child pornography white supremacy or mm -hmm. racism uh, you know like and <laughs> the following well, that's point the is, opening salvo of your apology things the, have gone awry and the other thing as well and I was thinking about this as well is, yeah I don't think I've ever had to clarify that to a person before and I'm pretty no. happy that I've never it had should, to do that for the most part when you're a human. Those things should be implicit, I would think. Yeah, and certainly when you are the the PR person or part of the PR team for really 
anything in general. Uh, I would imagine uh, your role in PR is to not associate yourself with anything that uh, you know entertains the idea of child pornography, white supremacy, yeah. or racism. Yet here we are. Well, we live in a brave new world now, so I might just change my bio on Twitter. <laughs> just, just so people are aware. I do not condone. So the thing that we need to try and establish and understand is... Do we? <laughs> I, I'm going to try to, anyway, because I have to try and make some fucking sense and normality of this. There before the grace of God, my friend. Is what the, the end goal here and the aim was exactly. Um, now, in terms of, you know, any publicity is, is good publicity... Uh, apparently um, I would argue that's not true and I'd argue this is a pretty good case of that not being true uh, it certainly goes without saying that you know for a, a large degree of last night my Twitter feed was was consistently hey this is THQ Nordic this is you know this is the most I've thought about THQ Nordic as a concept since um, the, the last time we were talking about THQ Nordic with their acquisition of however many properties and whatnot. Um Gotta be honest, after last night, I don't really have any plans to play anything related to THQ Nordic ever again. You see, this is the thing, and, you know, there was a a point in the, the, the discourse about what had happened where people were wondering, this isn't, because this is a PR guy from THQ Nordic as opposed to somebody from the actual individual studio uh, or an individual studio that's affiliated with THQ Nordic and you got to have a bit of sympathy for the people who are just earnestly trying to make their games at the moment and were probably watching the internet mouths agape as this was all happening wondering uh-huh. what they got themselves into so you got to feel for those people uh, who are just doing an honest job and are being represented by a bunch of absolute buffoons yeah uh, and yeah, you got to wonder what the point was, because even if it was a thing where you want to seem edgy and cool, I, my contention would be, and, and maybe this is just showing my age and there has been a renaissance of sorts, but the heyday of, say, the likes of 4chan or 8chan, people talking about the, those kind of websites as being the new edgy, dangerous thing on the internet seems to have long since passed, you know? Yeah. It, 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 they, people don't talk, like, I... I despite never having been on a chan i would see it referenced on the tweet machine uh even jokingly before uh, and this story was a reminder that that place existed so it's not like this huge hot hub of controversy anymore and certainly the appearance of thq on there seems to have um kind of sparked controversy anew but still it just it goes without saying though that even if you know like a base level amount of you know should we say the dark web one of the things you're probably aware of is 8chan or 4chan or some you know degree of that um and certainly if you um are doing pr you know you know the, the do's and don'ts of what is good and bad publicity and it just <laughs> You just do a fucking Google search, and I actually wouldn't recommend doing a Google search of HN, but like, the first things that come up is, you know... Safe search on, my friend. <laughs> uh, be in incognito mode. Uh, the first batch of fucking hot garbage that comes up is, I mean, again, someone put a screen grab, like, and you get uh, the Wikipedia for HN, and one of the things underneath is child pornography, so... You know, I just there is there is no excuse. Uh, and fucking putting a tweet out saying oh, I wasn't aware of the controversies surrounding HN. No, fuck you. Just fuck you. Like, I I am not um, someone who uh, you know wants to see people lose their jobs. 
but I don't know how you keep that position afterwards. I just I just don't know how you do it because you you have now beyond damaging the reputation of THQ Nordic as a brand. You know you have people that you know I'd imagine fucking you know decent good working people that work for THQ Nordic who are now like well what the fuck now I'm associated with this you know it's just mm. I, I mouth agape at the the sheer idiocy of this and I am uh, I'm more than happy for this to win fucking my Konami Corner Ineptitude Award of the Year but as you pointed out to me we do have some uh, it's not even the first story referencing child pornography we've had this year yeah. it's so fucking 2019 is going to be an all timer for that category Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and we did talk about subdividing that award into nonce and non-nonce related <laughs> activities which fucking tells you all you need to know about people associated with this trash fire of an interest of ours uh anyway speaking of trash fires uh indeed uh let's move on to our next item here anthem uh the big ea release uh for this year attempting to grab some of that uh kind of some of that slice of the mind share all i'm gonna uh, say and i feel comfortable in talking about this now because i didn't get the job thank fuck i didn't get that job with ea Uh, uh, you well you know, in one way you go, well, you'd be pretty busy if you had that job, at least. Yeah, you know what? I feel Dollet budged. Uh, Dollet? Oh, Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Wow. 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 Uh... <laughs> I'll tell you what. You had fucking better leave that in. Uh, bullet dodge. There we go. Move on. I'm gonna kill you with humor. That's what my plan is. Oh, is that? Ooh! (laughs) (laughs) I'm all lightheaded. (laughs) Oh, fucking hell. I'll tell you, you leave that in, you motherfucker, because that is going to be a t-shirt. That's our first t-shirt. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Honey Talk. I'm I'm still, we still, although that one's... Honey Talk, and now Dollar Budged. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? Okay, so an Anthem. even bigger joke. Anthem. Well, yeah, there we go. <laughs> um... Yeah, so Anthem came out during our little um, accidental hiatus from the program and has been pretty much panned. And has it been parodied. panned? I think it's mostly people just going, it's there. Well, the people actually thought about it. So people who kind of played it surface level and stopped were kind of like, like it's not good, but it's not, you know, the worst thing I've ever played. But then anybody who's done a deep dive uh, on it or kind of stewed on it has realized it's really everything about it seems to be the most fucking sin- even for EA. And I know we're talking about EA here. So what did you expect to a certain level? But the most fucking cynical cash grabby video game by committee Frankenstein's monster piece of shit that we've seen in in quite a while um and this from the the same publisher that brought you star wars battlefront 2 uh just about a year ago 
Um, by all accounts, it seems to be uh, the design doc for this game is we're going to take the constituent elements that we believe to be popular from a whole bunch of other games, uh, Destiny and the like, and we're going to just stitch it together with no real understanding of why people actually like those things. Dress them up in a bunch of mechs because Lord knows there isn't some sort of property that EA already own that involves mechs that people really like that they keep fucking burying. Um, like some sort of titan fall, if you will. They had to come up with this whole new thing rather than get behind that. Um, yeah, this is just... It's it's bombed. It, it, I, it's, it's astonishing to me. Uh, read an article today on Eurogamer... Um, that I put here in our our little chat. Uh, you remember Mass Effect Andromeda, Mark, and how badly that bombed? Yeah. Anthem sold half of what Mass Effect Andromeda did at launch. Yep. Fucking hell. Mm-hmm. And 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 as this article points out, you put that into further perspective. Andromeda only managed half of what Mass Effect Three had managed and people didn't like mass effect 3 yeah i the the thing as well uh, now everything you've said there um in terms of like how people have reviewed this game the really depressing factor of it is that it doesn't come as a surprise like the idea that this game built from the ground up is the most like okay what is you know the thing that is making money at the moment okay it's these games as a service uh, type games, your destinies, your Overwatches, whatever. We need to get in on that and get a piece of that pie. Um, and it is just—it's so not even depressing. It's just—it's so it's so yeah. It's so predictable that this is what ended up happening. And even it's compounded with the fact that you know the week before Apex Legends came out, and I've had people saying that like this is you know, their game of the year so far, or in terms of, you know, being a Battle Royale game, it's really fucking good. And it's published by EA, but, you know, in terms of EA having its fingerprints over it, they're just, they're not there. It doesn't exist. Uh, and it's so, you know, you get clearly, like, the idea and the mentality of EA when you put these two products next to each other. Yeah, it's not, it, it, you know, much as there are some EA products, like, again, I, I buy FIFA every year. I'm more than willing to admit that. I know I have a problem. I could quit any time, except I can't. Um, but even for EA, this is just creatively bereft, and it leaves people very much worrying about the state of Bioware going forward, uh, who were given the unenviable task of churning this out like a game that was actually good. Um and we know they've got a, a, a Dragon Age game that is in some early stage of development, as we learned at E3 this year, just gone. But I have to imagine, after Mass Effect Andromeda, um, after Mass Effect 3 even, uh, I, I think the bar, the, the hype bar, is going to be set considerably low for Dragon Age, and it will have to do a fucking mammoth task to um to kind of uh get everybody on a board that hype train shall we say yeah yeah um but yeah i don't want to kind of again partly because i haven't played it myself i have no fucking earthly intention to 
um and partly because it's just kind of depressing uh i don't really want to talk about anthem much anymore what also didn't help it on top of that was apex legends which again it's under their umbrella they could have not released these two games very close together and yet they did i know right people really like apex legends almost like they want something in the titanfall universe funny that um and yeah anthem is just woo boy and it seems to very much as well another one of the critiques uh, i've heard from a lot of people <clears throat> is very re- very very reminiscent of destiny one which you would think people would have fucking learned those lessons by now where people get substantially into anthem into the kind of what game is there and kind of at a certain point go is this it is this all there is here um and yeah just just poor uh, to say the fucking least uh moving on <clears throat> mark's film of the year award already given to detective pikachu oh got my another god. trailer this week oh my god this film <laughs> what what is this film how does this fucking thing exist uh yeah the just hey what is a tra- trailer meant to do it's meant to get you hyped for a film i watched this trailer i'm hyped for the film there yeah, that's it it's gonna come yeah. out i'm gonna go see it and it may end up not even being like a great film but i can't see how or any good at all but i can't see how i'm not gonna come out of this film at least having the biggest fucking smile on my face yeah even if it's man that was fucking weird like it's fucking it's deadpool as pikachu for an hour and a half come on now yeah um so the trailer was there was so much to unpack in the trailer <laughs> i was going to write down a blow by blow to go through it but there is just so much going on uh i really like a lot of the pokemon designs in it i think in this trailer as well they toned down the fucking nightmarish mr mime a bit and made it a bit more comedic and i appreciate that that mr mime is actually acting as a mime for yucks which i do enjoy but much as they toned down that they also brought in nightmare face lickitung have you seen the stills of lickitung yep it's it will haunt me for quite <laughs> some time um we're getting to see some of the pokemon in it mewtwo is in it which is cool mewtwo is a badass um the charizard looks great um i actually some of the jokes i quite i laughed quite a bit at um, yeah i i just it has a lot of charm to it um and hopefully it isn't a case of one of those trailers where they put all the actual best jokes from the film in the trailer and yeah, the rest no. of it is pants yeah yeah uh no i i just i have a good feeling i'm i'm i want to be hopeful you know i want to be i want to be hopeful i want to believe yeah well that's well that's what you want like much as we come off like twisted cynical bastards and there is a truth to that um <laughs> for sure we do want stuff to come out and be good you know i i don't actively root for things to be terrible with the exception of possibly metal gear survive because that's what you fucking get lads mm. um but by and large i want everything on the release schedule whether it be movies or video games or what have you to be excellent because i want more content um the only the only downside to that that i regret is when there's too much good stuff and i spend entirely too much money on it um moving on this was a story i did not expect when i woke up was it yesterday or the day before that this kind of it was on waypoint radio i heard it first and then i went and sought out an article about it uh, winnie the pooh has caused an international incident yeah i what this i this one passed me by 
Okay, so there's, and we'll talk about it, uh, I'll very briefly nod to it again in the release date roundup, but there's a new horror game out on PC this week, I believe. Uh, it's a Taiwanese horror game called Devotion, which is getting rave reviews from a lot of the people that I would trust on these kind of games. And it's kind of, it's as I said, a Taiwanese horror game, but it's set in the 1980s. Uh, it's in this house, uh, and my understanding is that it's over three different time periods i want to say 1980 1984 and 1987 um and i'm not sure i've been told that you kind of you really should just go in as context free as possible and that's what i will be attempting to do at the very least mm. um but anyway um the game's developers have come under fire for the fact that uh, there are images of Winnie the Pooh in the game. Now, there is a complicated reason as to why this is a bad thing. There's an in-game poster about Winnie the Pooh. So, several years ago, um, China isn't the most open country in the world um, and has very restricted internet. For example, I think the, the most famous example people give is that if you uh, type into the Chinese equivalent of Google what happened at Tiananmen Square in 1989, you are not going to get the answer to that question. Yeah. And you and would just, likely maybe put on some sort of list. And just having been there, uh, I can, you know, uh, there are certain just parts of the internet you will not get access to. And, and Google, mm -hmm. there is the, the, uh, the great uh, Google firewall, uh, which is just... You yes. just Google is not a thing you can uh, access unless the you're Great using... Firewall of China, as they call yeah, it. Yeah, that's the one. Yep, yeah. um, <clears> and uh, yeah, you you would have to use a VPN effectively. Mm. Um, so layer into that as well that I think without getting too much into it, um, conversations involving uh, China, Taiwan, and Tibet can be fraught to say the least, depending on who you're talking to in China. And if you have, again, if you have the bravery to even start the conversation out loud in China, shall we say. Um, a meme went around on Chinese internet that uh, unfavorably compared uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping to Winnie the Pooh as a kind of uh, bumbling, moronic figure. Uh, and these memes, kind of like the one, do you remember there was the one of uh, Putin in drag? Uh, there was like, in, in kind of rainbow colors, do you remember that one? That uh, got, no, I don't remember that, that went, Yeah, it went around Russia and, and got banned as well. And kind of in a in a same way, this meme got a little bit popular for a while and was immediately censored. And it is, uh, it is illegal to uh, share this meme around in China. Right, okay. But the good old Streisand effect, obviously, outside of China, people became aware of this. So mm -hmm. there, there is a, a base knowledge of this. So <laughs> a reference to this meme can be found on a wall in this game. Um, not only has that enraged uh, Chinese censors, because this game, I, I, my understanding is this game was becoming popular amongst Chinese streamers, which is a huge subsection of the streaming community. Uh, so this censored image was showing up all over the place now and you said you said this is a up. taiwanese de developer yes i believe yeah, well so. that says a lot then <laughs> yeah well that's what i mean like, even if you even if you even 
even without the Taiwanese thing, just a game that is released and is available in China and these Chinese streamers are playing it and a reference to this meme, that's bad enough. Yeah. You layer in the developer is Taiwanese, uh-huh. so has a dog in the race, shall we say? And again, having spent time there, um, yeah, it's not exactly like the uh, the relationship between these two countries is. Fro- it's frosty. Yeah, yeah, I'll go frosty. Um, so they've kind of they've they've removed it, and <laughs> they so they've removed it and they've issued a sort of apology based on something that actually does happen a lot. So when games are being developed, um, if there's, say, a a static asset, something like a poster hanging on a wall in this case, something that doesn't necessarily need to be completely rendered top to bottom like a complex character model or environment, uh, oftentimes a placeholder image will be put in place for the, the... most part of development and then the intention is that towards the end when everybody's kind of coming in and batting and clean up and tidying things up you will then replace that placeholder image with what the permanent image is going to be mm. um, that is a practice that does happen a lot in video games and there have been slips in the past where something has kind of made it through that shouldn't have been blah 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 they've kind of it, my interpretation of the situation is this is the excuse they ran with uh, and I, I I do believe it is an excuse I, I don't buy it for one i think it's entirely too coincidental that all the other placeholder images seem to have been removed uh with the exception so there was a couple of memes in it um they said um i i find it very hard to believe that everything but this one particularly topical reference was removed um, would you would you agree with that assessment of the situation? I, the whole thing. I. <laughs> it takes some bollocks. I'll say that it does. I mean, hey, you got to get your statements in somewhere, and if you can get it in the the form of this, um, fair play to developers, fair play. But uh, I'm also concerned about uh, the repercussions from this. Should we say? Yeah. Uh, final piece of news for the week. Uh, sad news from Nintendo of America as Reggie fils the head honcho of Nintendo of America, is stepping down after many great years at memeable years in charge to be replaced by the two, entirely too perfectly named Doug Bowser. Um, which is just... Now, we did make light of... We did mention it as a news item on the program uh, whenever it was Doug Bowser got hired. I do remember that. But Bowser being at the at the top of Nintendo of America is entirely too perfect. Um, but I, I think time to just for a moment take stock and remember the great man that was Reggie, the kind of cuddly teddy bear of... Uh, video game executives i just i love his uh he's you know talking about this and saying that um you know i look forward to departing in both good health and good humor and that this is not game over for me but instead leveling up to spend more time with my wife family and friends i just just a good man and a good man and a guy who definitely he's not just you know there are these executives that you see at press conferences that you think they're doing this because it's their job yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they don't actually care. They could be in charge of any number of businesses. But Reggie just was so into Nintendo. Yeah, and it's not only just that as well. Like, you think about the um, 
the the kind of faces of uh, Nintendo, and, and you kind of think about uh, Miyamoto, you think of Iwata, and you think of Reggie as like these kind of three kind of pillars of Nintendo, and um, the you know the um, the Muppets uh, thing they did a good few years ago with E3, um, and just. You know, we, we've spoken today and we speak, it seems, every other week about some developer, some publisher, some person within the video game industry either being stupid or offensive or just doing something that um, just makes you just kind of hold your head in your hands and it's like, how, how does this happen? Um, and I pray to the God in the heavens above that uh, we don't get like some story coming out in a year's time about Reggie being fucking whatever. Um, I'll break my fucking heart. It wouldn't it just, wouldn't it fucking just? And uh, but I'm, I'm, you know, fingers crossed that's not the case. It's sadly, sadly, I have to say that. Um, but yeah, he's he's been, uh, you know, that that kind of vision, that the the face of uh, Nintendo in North America uh, for the last fifteen years. And I, you know, I couldn't think of a better representative. Just just a good dude and, and just a, a, a such a perfect representation of what Nintendo is. You know. What's your favorite Reggie memory? Uh, I've got one that's number one with a bullet. I don't have a specific one, so you tell me yours. Uh, my favorite is the E3 from a couple of years ago, where him, Iwata, and Miyamoto were Muppets. Okay, so yeah, boys. <laughs> yes, that was that was the circumstances for why uh, they did do that were kind of tragic in their own way. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was talk about making the best of a horrific situation. I know, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I long will live the memory of when they start turning into the Star Fox characters and the face on the Muppet cameraman of shock and horror as they transform. That whole thing was kind of nightmarish in a way as well. I just wanna... It was so good. The the two years they had, yeah, because obviously because of Iwata's illness, there was two years there where they had to get very creative with the press conferences, and one year was Muppets and the other year was Robot Chicken. Um, yeah. And both of them were terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, now we can only hope and pray that the first time Doug Bowser makes any kind of uh, actual appearance in front of the camera, that he is dressed up like Bowser. If they don't yep. do it, what are we here? What are we doing? And I really appreciate how um, Reggie on the way out was kind of. There's a there's a part of his statement that you can see on YouTube where he talks about how Bowser really is a fan <laughs> of the games. Just to go, look, don't worry. It's he's not just a suit. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And um, he's not just been employed because his name is Bowser. Yeah. And Nintendo, like, really seemed to go out of their way to hire kind of nice people at the very top. There was uh, the the story made the rounds again after the Activision layoffs that I had completely forgotten. Um, that when the Wii U was at its worst and Nintendo was really, really hurting, and we reported at the time about how they were having to dip into their their cash reserve because they were losing money hand over fist on that fucking console um that iwata rather than sack a single developer uh refused to take his own pay uh to pay so those developers could pay because his philosophy was that if they were in fear for their jobs being lost they wouldn't develop the wonderful games that nintendo are known for yeah which is such a breath of fresh air in the uber cynical world of video game development Nintendo rest in peace Iwata-san mm. um, time to go to the release date roundup 
Uh, going to absolutely fly through these because we've got one that we're probably going to talk about for a little bit. Um, and I'm conscious of time on the program. So uh, Resident Evil 0, 1, and 1 Remake and 4 are heading to Nintendo Switch on May 21st. You can pre-order those uh, at the end of this month, I believe. Uh, Devotion, as I mentioned, the Taiwanese 1980s horror game is on PC for now. now. <laughs> for now. Yeah, for now. <laughs> uh, probably not in China anymore. No. Um, Stardew Valley is dangerously getting an Android port on March 14th this year. It came to iOS in October last year, I want to say. So the Android port is finally arriving. Uh, do yourselves a favor and uh, play that game. But if you have an addictive personality, do yourself a favor and pretend the game doesn't exist. Uh, or you'll end up like a fucking shut-in like Mark was when it came out. Hi. <laughs> oh, my name's Mark. How's it going? Uh, two big ones that came out of the Nintendo Direct we missed uh, when we were away. The two headline announcements that I think perked up myself and Mark's ears. Super Mario Maker 2 is coming out in June. And that thing looks really cool. Uh, some of the things they've done with the menu where they have the little item wheel and things like that looks very good. Uh, is this your time, Mark, to jump in on Mario Maker? Uh, yeah, I, I think that I'll be um, I'll be jumping in this time. I, I Because I was in China last time, because I wasn't there at the start, I... I I just I wasn't there at the start, and by the time I came to it, I don't know. I felt like it kind of been left behind a little bit, and and the shine had been. Uh, most of the fun that I ended up having with Mario Maker was uh, was like watching the giant bomb streams and watching the war between Dan Riker and Patrick Klepek. Um and uh, even with the time spent with it, I was always like, you know, I wish I could do certain things that I can't do, um, and obviously, you know. Uh, it looks like there's going to be a lot more features implemented into this one, so I'm really looking forward to just seeing fucking the the, the crazy amount of stuff that uh, is out there. And I'm, but I'm also hoping that Nintendo have taken a lot of feedback in terms of how um, how to find levels and how they're ranked and how they're rated. Mm. I don't know what they did in terms of updates after I stopped playing, but um, just finding like different maps, it could have been done better. And then fucking, yeah. I mean, Link's Awakening remake 2019. I, Oh my God. I am so talk about a thing. I talk about a thing that I nearly passed out. <laughs> you didn't realize you needed or wanted until it was put in front of you. Yeah. Oh my fucking God. I'm so excited. I, I, I don't care. Um, fuck it. This is depending on the day, depending on when you ask me, my like my favorite Zelda game shifts around. This is in this is absolutely in the conversation for me. Uh, some of my fondest memories ever playing any video game are playing Link's Awakening DX on the Game Boy Color. I fucking love that game to bits, um, and I I can I can because it's the internet. The internet is trash. But I cannot get my head around, in some respects, people going crazy about thinking the art style is terrible. Especially when it was later pointed out that the art style is meant to replicate the photograph that you take in-game at a certain point. Yeah, well, fuck those people. They're garbage people. They're the same people that bitched about Wind Waker. Well, this is exactly what... Do your everyone do yourselves a favor and search on Twitter for the excerpt from the bomb cast where Ger- Jeff Gersman, who the argument over wind waker's art style still to this day bothers him. <laughs> and really? He, he goes off on one for about 90 seconds about like, this is why we can't have nice things. And I have never agreed with the man more. And I agree with him quite frequently. Um, so yeah, links awakening remake, 2019 so fucking hype for that the final one little game you may have heard of 
Pokemon, the full getting the full new installment RPG uh, on the Switch late 2019. The uh, the the splits are Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield, which has resulted in many joyous wrestling references throughout the day on Twitter that I have enjoyed. Um, we don't know a whole lot. We've seen our starters. I love all of them. I must say, I, I don't know which one would be my preference at this point. I think, as a lot of people uh, kind of gave words to my thoughts earlier on, it will depend on if any of them evolves into some sort of weird-looking monstrosity uh, afterwards. I'll have to see the evolution chain before I make my final decision. But it, It's uh, difficult this time. Starts. It's difficult this time because, you know, last time there was an owl with a bow tie. And oh my word, that was a mortal lock as I, soon as I saw yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Friend. Like any of these, if they had a bow tie or any kind of tie or any kind of like accessory hanging around the neck, it would have been fine. But um, no, but they're all adorable. Uh, I love how it looks. Um, it's, it's interesting because I, <laughs> I don't know if you with me in the mentality that to, I, I kind of felt like I was done with Pokemon. Um, Sun and Moon were, I enjoyed them for what they were, but I didn't really stick around too long. I may have burnt myself out because, as, as has been mentioned, I was playing about five Pokemon games uh, at the same time. Um, yeah. I, I was deep down the well at a certain point. But Sun and Moon didn't particularly grab me. It had parts of it that I, I was charmed by. Um, but as an actual game, I was just kind of was like, I've done this. I've done this about eight times now. You can't throw anything at me that I haven't seen before. Um, just because you're in this Hawaiian location and Raichu, Raichu can surf on its own tail, I'm done at this point. But I look at this game. I look at how pretty it is. I look at it being on the Switch. And I'm mm. like, mm, yeah, I'm probably going to fucking play this game. Oh, man, so good. So good. Uh, we'll talk more about that. I'm sure there'll be details coming out drips and drabs over the year. They also teased more Pokemon-related announcements throughout the year. But Give the thing, us another snap, you the, fucking the, cowards. <laughs> the thing that is, I, I need to know um, and that people will be asking is how uh, your current Pokemon that you have in your 3DS games, uh, how the, um, they can transfer over and how the Pokemon... I imagine Pokemon Bank for yeah. the, the versions that are compatible so we'll hear but some more talk about that how is that going to work exactly because uh you know what is was the relationship between the 3ds and the switch going to be and how's that going to work yeah i guess the pokemon bank was a kind of uh, patchwork solution because it's a kind of third party you send your pokemon to that it exists separately from the games and then you send your pokemon from that to the new game but hey, look as you said we'll see it's only speculation at this point that we could do well it's not just um, that because you can in theory if i'm correct you can have a pokemon from generation three and from so that's from um fire red leaf green those games you can, in theory, get it from there across to um, Sun and Moon. Yeah. Because obviously there's the, the, the break between Gen 2 and Gen 3. So, yeah, yeah how... Um, we'll find out, I guess. Mm. You know, <laughs> I there's no one I'd back more to do it than the crazy toy makers yeah, themselves. But there's also no one I'd also see going, ah, you know what, fuck it, as well. Yeah. So, God True. bless Nintendo, but <laughs> they're going to roll the dice. Or maybe they'll um, they'll make some sort of adapt uh, adapter that you have to pay twenty quid for. Who knows? Uh, one very quick thing before we go into the book club, and that's uh, our PS Plus games for this month are the remaster of Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which I'm so glad now that I didn't bite on at any stage because I'm going to get that for free. Uh, and Mark's favorite game of 2016, The Witness. Ah, uh, go fuck yourself. 
<laughs> I still says the best video content we ever produced was me making you play the witness Go on our YouTube channel. Fuck yourself. Uh, just for those of you who didn't watch it, it's pretty much me saying things like that and Mark saying things like that for about six <laughs> hours. <laughs> No, I think it was me telling myself to go fuck myself because I was playing yeah. it. So. Oh, there was no one you weren't telling to go fuck themselves as you were playing that thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> moving on to the Link to Cast Book Club, that uh, time of the week where we talk about an important game or significant game from the past that you should play for the play again if it's been a while, or uh, in this case it may be dicey, but play again uh, or play for the first time if you haven't before. You may have missed the boat on this one in particular, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get to in Judas, of course. Uh, this week on the book club, it's Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the game. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World The Game is a side-scrolling beat-em-up game based on the Scott Pilgrim series of Oni Press graphic novels by Brian Lee O'Malley, tying in with the release of the film of the same name. It is published by Ubisoft, which was surprising to me the first time I learned that, and developed by Ubisoft Montreal with Ubisoft Chengdu. Uh, the game was first announced at Comic-Con 2009 in 2009. Uh, it was released exclusively as DLC via PlayStation Network on August 10th to the 11th, 2010, and through Xbox Live Arcade on August 25th, 2010. It was later released in Japan on October 20th, 2010. So, this is going to be one of the shorter book clubs for a couple of reasons. The f- first and foremost of which is that I really think we should do Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the movie, as a book club. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> because it is probably, even though it's not based directly on a video game, it is probably the greatest video game movie of all time by a considerable distance. Until Detective Pikachu is released. Until Detective Pikachu is released. Uh, so we're not going to get too deep into the movie and how much it is. It is certainly in my 10 favourite movies of all time. I don't know how highly it ranks for you but I know you're a fan. Well, sure. uh, I do love garlic bread. It is my most delicious food so, you know, Indeed. that alone. Sure. Bread makes you fat. Yeah, uh, no. So we will park discussion of the movie and probably a lot of the discussion about the comic books for that, because I think that's a more appropriate venue uh, for that. But this was a game. So I was Scott Pilgrim versus the world came out at a time where I was pulling away from as we'll kind of talk about when we do the movie, I was pulling away from video games, largely. I was in college, I was in the midst of college at this point. And for time and budget reasons, I pretty much didn't play anything except FIFA and a very occasional other game um, during this time period. It's, we've documented it before on things like Bioshock, how it was years after the fact that I got to Bioshock. In fact, it was after I played Bioshock Infinite that I got to Bioshock. Anyway. Um... So there was kind of that pulling away from video games, but also I was getting super fucking into comic book stuff at this point. I'd kind of I'd read a bunch of comic strips when I was a kid, the likes of the Fireside, Calvin and Hobbes, Snoopy, 
uh fucking yeah peanuts um and a bunch of other things uh even some and i was way too young to be reading it but i did read judge dread a bit when i was a kid because uh <laughs> my auntie and uncle's house that i stayed in a lot he was a big fan of uh 2000 ad so he had judge dread volumes lying around the and place he was like i'm gonna teach this boy and he will know i definitely shouldn't have been left unsupervised around uh much as i credit calvin and hobbs with giving me uh, not only the name for my cat but uh the should we say unnecessary vocabulary for a five-year-old or a six-year-old whatever age i was at the time uh, i would also credit judge dread with making me incredibly morbid from a very young age um but anyway this was kind of as somebody who had pulled away from video games and kind of always had fond memory of older video games uh, and someone who's getting really into comics scott pilgrim hit me at probably the exact center of the venn diagram of my interests um, but because I had pulled away from video games, it wasn't until quite a while later that I knew that there ever was a game. That was so. As I mentioned in the introduction, it's it's tied in with the movie, but it's not based on the movie. It's based directly off the comic books, um, art and mannerisms, everything like that, and the kind of the the depth of the cast of characters and things like that is is more closely allied to the comic books than the movie. So if you're a comic book reader, you didn't care much for the movie, I think this game is for you. Uh, we talked about it being a beat-em-up. It's it's ostensibly a Streets of Rage clone. It's it's, it's a classic beat-em-up. Um, well, I but, liken it um, a lot to uh, Castle Crashes. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, it is... A lot of what sells it, because, again, it is what it is mechanically is relatively basic but what it what gets it by is the the charm and the aesthetic and and, and other things about the scott pilgrim universe and the way it was lovingly it's one of those things where uh you can tell it's lovingly put together by people who really love the property and really love the the nods that the comic series made to gaming culture um the the game has an overworld map that you you can't help but think of mario uh and it's it's just this comically mario-esque map of montreal <laughs> that's it's it's just terrific the overall map and this is fantastic um the as i said the art style is 100 it's it's the comic book in a video game so i love it i always love brian lee o'malley's art style i particularly uh, much as I have read a lot of his other stuff, um, Scott Pilgrim is just the, the apex for me. I have it in the original black and white it was intended to be in, and then when he went and did the colorized versions, I rebought them. Um, so yeah, I'm a fan, it's fair to say. Um, the the environments uh, in the game are cool and varied. There's a lot of kind of nods to different things from the comic books in it which i really like it's not just generic cityscape and things like that that you get in a lot of the beat-em-up games of old um you know there's things that take place at the the battle of the bands at various scenes that you will recognize if you've seen either the film or read the comic books um and then obviously it, because it is such an homage to video games in itself as a property it's kind of the narrative of Scott Pilgrim is structured perfectly for a video game of this kind because, hmm, you're trying to figure out how to do bosses in a game 
hey, there's seven evil exes in Scott Pilgrim. It fucking writes itself in that way. Um, the boss battles are something that when I when I did play this game back in the day, um, I really enjoyed. Uh, not that they were they were challenging enough as you get through it, but each boss had its own flavor and wasn't just a generic tougher version of an enemy you had uh, previously in the game. There's little cutscenes in between levels and in between you go into the boss battle. They're really cool to add a bit of character, uh, crack a few jokes here or there. Um, but uh, things like... Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm blanking on the fucking... Oh, not Lucas Lee, the one after him, the bass player. What's that Evil X's name? Um, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, this is Matthew Patel, Lucas Lee. Um, I'll, I'll look it up hey, here. Who as even we're plays him? Um, uh, Brandon Routh. Um, but anyway, him, the vegan dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, he. Todd Ingram. That's it. So it's Matthew Patel, Lucas Lee, Todd Ingram, Roxy Richter, the Katyanagi twins, Gideon Graves. Um, in your fight with Todd Ingram, uh, it's not just, you know, you're having a beat-em-up fight and you're trying to dodge his blows. At random points throughout, his vegan powers activate and he's able to levitate things and throw them at you. Periodically, when you get him down to a certain level of weakness, the vegan police come in and hit him with their rays and weaken him even further. So there's really clever incorporation of the Scott Pilgrim lore even into the boss battles um, for the, the League of Evil Exes. Um Another thing I will say about this. Actually, first, I've been fucking ranting about this for a while. Is this a game you played at the time, Mark? Or did you come to Scott Pilgrim after the fact? Uh, what's your history or knowledge of this game? You would, think, considering, you would think, considering it is Scott Pilgrim, and that it is uh, you know a uh, kind of classic Streets of Rage style game, uh, you would think that I have a history with this game. But... Yeah. I completely missed it when it came out, and then yeah. I never got around to it because it is one of those games that was, uh, you know, removed, and there is no physical way of playing this game. Yeah, there is no legal way to play this game on your PlayStation, and it's a fucking crime uh, that that is the case. It's it's so sad because it is, again, it's mechanically it's it's bare enough bones. It you. It's not a revolutionary beat-em-up in any way, but the, again, the charm and the aesthetic. And the other thing I was just about to get onto, this soundtrack fucking rips. Uh, go on, yes, yeah, sir. I was going to say, is it purely? It could purely just be down to a licensing issue. Why this game doesn't uh, exist? It could be some sort of thing between Ubi and uh, Brian Lee O'Malley because it is uh, directly with a comic book rather than necessarily. I don't know. I know the Universal logo appears over it uh, at the very start of the game, but because it's based directly off the comic books, I don't know if they have any direct... Universal Studios have any direct say whether they bought the rights for any medium uh, off Brian Lee O'Malley or whether it's a case of because it was tied in with the release of the movie that there was some sort of informal partnership there. I do not know what the, the fraught... Uh, relationship is there but yeah long story short like a few games for that period because it was also in around that time all the Marvel games started disappearing from uh, PS3 that you couldn't even re-download them if you'd already bought them and it was 
quite controversial to say the least but we won't get into it the the soundtrack as i said fucking rips um it's a it's a it's a score composed by the famous chiptune band anamanaguchi uh that a lot of people who are into that kind of music may have heard of um it's got a much like streets of rage the game has got a an up to four player i think co-op campaign um it's just it's <laughs> i'm kind of running out of things to say about it at this point because i'm kind of just uh running the gamut on, on things I remember about it. Again, like I said, it came out the guts of 10 years ago and you can't legally get it anymore. So I'm going a lot on memory and a couple of short YouTube videos I watched to refresh myself at the time. But it's such a shame because we talked, there was a special um, episode of the show, if I recall correctly, where we talked about movie adaptations of video games. Myself and Jack, I think it was. Um... And we didn't bring this up, I don't think. But you you will agree with the statement, uh, Mark, that the relationship between video games and licensed movie tie-ins was poor <laughs> over the years. Uh, it's, I mean, it still continues to be poor in uh, mm. and, for, uh, for the large majority. But it's not as prominent even because there were so many ones that were pure trash that it kind of as a th- it isn't necessarily a thing anymore. Whereas when we were growing up, if it was a big movie, it was relatively guaranteed it was going to have a video game tie in. Yeah. Uh, if there was any sort of way they could make a video game out of it and even some that maybe shouldn't have been and they still fucking did it anyway. Um, but it's a shame because this is one of the real gems of that kind of um uh period and um the game kind of real old school style real in a nod to the things it, it, it the property pays homage to there are a bunch of cheat codes in the game that unlock uh, various extra features uh, including a survival horror mode and a boss rush mode um so yeah there's a lot of good stuff in it there's really a lot of it gets more into the because obviously Scott Pilgrim it's like a two hour film it can only get to so much of the seven books you know um, and this does a lot deeper cut in this one of my favorite characters from the comics who doesn't really show up he doesn't show up at all in the movie um, is Knives Chow's father Mr. Chow mm-hmm. uh, who is in this game an unlockable assist character uh, which I had completely forgotten about until I read up about this. Is it just like an additional character who fights alongside you, or does he like? Yeah, a... he's, yeah, he's just an assist character. Okay, and uh, yeah, he's one of my <laughs> one of my favorite. Like, just because he's only in it a little bit in the books, but when he just kind of randomly shows up to have a katana fight, uh, I I, <laughs> I just like Mister Chow a lot. <laughs> it, it, his existence tickles me. Um, it's funny because in a weird kind of sliding doors universe, uh, there was talks. Brian Lee O'Malley wanted to make a video game about uh, Scott Pilgrim and initially had been approached by Telltale Games about it and um, decided that the kind of games they made wouldn't fit Scott Pilgrim. And he was right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad they went that way. I'm glad he went that way because, uh, yeah. yeah, I probably, yeah, I wouldn't have played it. Um, yeah. What is... Uh, What's the difficulty of of the game like? Because you know um, uh, the original Streets of Rage games are there. There is a challenge to them. Um, yeah, I I would say it wouldn't be. They're somewhere in the middle. Some of those boss fights, if I were again, we're talking about trying to think the guts of a decade back. 
Um, some of the boss fights and some of the levels are reasonably challenging. However, I would say it's not. If you're looking for one of those bastard hard beat-em-ups, this probably isn't your first port or call. You're, you're going in there for the, the nostalgia, for uh, the things it references, and for your love of the, the Scott Pilgrim oeuvre. Um, you're not going in there completely blind, not knowing what Scott Pilgrim is, and going, I'm expecting this kind of um, punishing, difficult, or challenging experience, I don't think. Mm. Um, I'm just going to wrap it up now, because I kind of, for a game that sadly is, is unavailable to play anymore, I don't have any more up-to-date takes on it. I, I couldn't tell you for sure if it holds up. Um, I remember there was, and I'm looking at it here, there were criticisms at the time, um that it kind of like in on the ps3 in particular because i think it was nerfed a little on xbla uh on the ps3 version there was uh, issues with difficulty and grinding according to oneup.com uh those aren't i I couldn't tell you for sure i don't recall that being the case in my personal experience but you know i that's their experience i can't invalidate it um my elevator pitch for this is and like it feels silly to do an elevator pitch on a game that uh you probably can't play (laughs) but i'm fucking here anyway so um if you want to play one of the better video game tie-ins to a movie if uh the comics of scott pilgrim and the movie wasn't enough for you here's a fun little experience that isn't going to take you a huge length of time but is going to make you smile throughout while also being a kind of fun retro game in and of itself that's scott pilgrim versus the world the video game and we'll definitely put the movie on the schedule mark we've got one last bit of business on this podcast you my friend need to tell us what we're going to be talking about on episode 136 i want to take us back to 1994 um, I thought you were going to swerve us and immediately say to do Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Fair play. I was tempted. Uh, I want to go back to 1994. I want to talk about a Mark Robinson TM game, which is a side-scrolling platformer. Um, but we can, we, we can Back tie, bullshit. we can tie in with the uh, animated series that came alongside the video game uh, or came afterwards. Because uh, uh-huh. I want to talk about one of my favorite games of the 90s, and definitely one of my favorite cartoon shows of the 90s. Uh, I'd like to talk yes. about. I'd like to talk about Earthworm Jim. Yes, actually, I swear to God, Mark, I was nearly going to say Earthworm Jim for this show <laughs> so here we are we're, we're in lockstep and I'm yet, gonna go man. treat myself and watch a whole bunch of fucking Earthworm Jim this week because that show <laughs> is fucking bonkers yeah damn right it is um, fuck yeah we should talk about the show a little bit oh absolutely yeah. yeah definitely because we won't really do that as its own book club anyway that's going to do it for episode 135 of Links to the Cast. We appreciate you all listening, hitting that download, hitting that stream. Whatever way you choose to enjoy the podcast, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, any number of ways. Like I said at the start, wherever good podcasts are sold. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, at Link to the Cast on Twitter or Facebook.com forward slash Link to the Cast are the way to go. You can get a timely response from us on there uh, and also subscribe or follow to... Uh, you know get the latest content as we post it speaking of content mark 
Link to the Cast, our weekly flagship broadcast, isn't the only thing we do here on the website. Uh, we have an intermittent pro wrestling podcast that we do about once a month now at this stage in 2019. Our New Year's resolution is still holding tough. Uh, that is the grap up. Uh, I believe the most recent of edition, uh, most recent edition of that is still the the Belfast Roadcast with myself, uh, Lee Malone, and Bose Johnny. Uh, you can listen to talking all things OTT, a bit local. Um, in about two weeks, I'm going to be recording a special edition of that show, another road report, because I am on the road uh, next weekend to WXW 16 Carat Gold 2019. So there'll be a bit of a road report on that. And then we'll nearly be at the time to do our WrestleMania weekend preview show. Can you believe it already, Mark? Yeah, it's just... <sighs> Yeah. It's scary. It's scary how it keeps coming around each year. And, I'll uh, tell you what, Mark. I, I'm going to see if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it yet, I'm going to try and pop someone on a second recording for this week because I popped Lee with it. Um, Mark, did you see the match that is booked for Joey Ryan's penis party? Um, possibly not. No. Um, is it Joey Ryan's penis for a start? Uh, it probably. Okay. Uh, this match will feature. Former WCW World Heavyweight Champion and star of Scream, David Arquette. Okay, oh Jesus, right, okay. Wrestling, our Lord and Savior, Timothy Thatcher. <laughs> I can't decide whether that's more or less ridiculous than him being in a death match with Nick Gage, but... I'll tell you what, I, fair play to them, because I went from there's not a chance in hell I'm watching that dumb show to I'm probably buying it. Because I need to see that match. Yeah. More than live itself. Anyway, that's the graph up. You'll be hearing more about that in due course. Uh, our movie podcast, The Popcorn Social, which we're trying to fit in a recording of our uh, awards show. Uh, the actual Oscars. Have, have you not passed. been trying to do that for like the last two months? Well, we have. You see, we're in an argument at the moment about categories and what goes in and how we're going. We want to do it differently to Game of the Year. So we're, okay. we're having those discussions. And however difficult it is to find the two of us with free time, it is more difficult with three people who have jobs, uh, myself, Ian and Jack. Um, so that is forthcoming. We're still actually working on that. I've I've been slacking because of my work schedule. I haven't been dipping in and chatting and keeping that conversation going, so that's on me. And uh, the other podcast, uh, those two are under this RSS feed, so you don't need to scri- subscribe anywhere else. Those programs will come down this feed as and when they are available. Uh, our sister podcast that is on its own stream <clears throat> is Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that nobody asked for. Every two weeks, myself and uh, Lee Malone uh, who I believe he's still yeah he's the OTT reviewer for Voices of Wrestling um, you'll see him pop up on, on various podcasts around the place I think he just did a Brit Rest round table recently um, we every two weeks we sit down and watch a new episode of WCW Thunder trying to figure out if the WCW 1998-2001 experience was better worse or indifferent if you only watch Thunder and completely ignore Nitro Um coming up it will be up before this show so this week there was a a new episode covering snickers sold out 1998 and it is a doozy of an episode i will say uh, so check that out uh, it's on its own as i said days of thunder podcast feeds check that out for link to the cast i have been dave ryan the man on the line has been mark robinson we shall see you all next week to talk earthworm jim peace out motherfuckers <laughs>